Welcome to the original and the best Power Hour with Alex Burr and Dylan Hughes, members and podcast of the Running Hook Podcast Network. And now Dylan Hughes is, we're, we're kind of doing this a little differently if you can't tell today. Um, Dylan Hughes joining me for the Orlando Magic segment. JD, I'm sure will have thoughts about the Orlando Magic, but you know, JD, JD doesn't like to always go into, into depth on these quote unquote bad teams um, like Dylan and I do. But Dylan, I think you and I will discuss. I'm not sure if the Orlando Magic are a bad team, but first of all, Dylan, in the tradition of throwing a curveball when you expect a fastball, because, you know, if I have you and JD on, I have to throw both of you a curveball. What was your favorite snow activity when you were a kid in other honor of the cold front hitting the Midwest this week? Wow. That is a really good question. Um, I was never an ice skater and maybe I should be, maybe I'll get into that as I get older. Uh, I've never skied and that's something I would also like to do, but have yet to, I was, at least when I was younger was definitely a sled slash snowboard kid. And like the neighborhood that's connected to my neighborhood, they have this huge hill that they just like built up artificially when they built the neighborhood, they just had a bunch of leftover dirt, you know, and they're like, Oh, let's just put, let's just put a hill here. So when it snows, as we'll probably see tomorrow, you know, when the snow is done, all the kids go to the hill and they sled and there's this one side that's really long and you end up sledding like a hundred yards, you know, it's just, it was awesome. And whenever you get a snow day or it's a weekend, you got a nice 10 inches of snow. You just head over to that hill and you sled down it. Oh, it was fun, man. It was fun. And part of me misses it, but I don't have to miss it. Cause I could just still do it now. You absolutely could. But you are a busy man. And also it is going to be, I can't speak to for where you are tomorrow. The low is going to be negative 11 here um, where I am, or actually when this is coming out, then the low will be negative 11. So it's not going to be a fun day to go sledding. I don't think, but you know, there are other days, you know, when you come back or maybe on one of your, your tour stops, you can, uh, you can go sledding. So Dylan, um, I think I think we should talk about the Orlando Magic, though. <laughs> I think we probably should. So in their last five games, let's see. One, two, three, four, five. There we go. They beat the Hawks 135 to 124. They entered the week on a three game winning streak and then beat the Hawks 135 to 124. Beat the Celtics twice in a row. 117 to 109, 95, 92. Lost to the Hawks 125. 126 and then beat the Rockets 116 to 110. They are 12 and 21. Good for 13th in the Eastern Conference. They're a half game behind the Wizards for 12th. Um, Dylan, this Magic team, it's where you kind of see a team go from like hapless <laughs> to hopeful in the middle of the season. But Work as the Magic are getting healthier because they started the season on a terrible run of health, and it it had to do with all their guards being hurt. And Jalen Suggs, that guy can't catch a break. But the rest of their, you know, Cole Anthony and um, 
Cole Anthony and Markel Fultz actually played this week. So we're start or they're actually playing now. So we're starting to see them turn it around. But what are your just overall thoughts watching the magic right now? Well, you know, I, I will say for starters here that I had way more fun this week watching the magic than I did the nets. I don't know how much we're going to touch on the nets, but just not, not a fun team to watch. Okay. I don't care about Durant and Kyrie. just not fun. Okay. So I'll just get that out of the way. But my first takeaway from the magic was that we really missed out that Admiral Schofield is not playing linebacker in the NFL right now. I think he would be much better at linebacker than small four in the NBA. Just kind of something to, to, to think, think about, you know, maybe put that out in the universe. If Schofield doesn't get a contract at some point, he's got the size, he's got the speed. All right. He could be a linebacker tomorrow. So that's the, that was the first thing I thought of. The second thing is that Franz Wagner is just the best player on this team. Everyone's going to talk about Paolo because he was the first pick and he's looked awesome thus far. And he is very good. But Franz is just unbelievably polished. Like he doesn't look out of sorts in any situation, really. And every time he gets the ball, he does something smart with it. He's just so solid like that's I really think solid and polished are like the best ways to describe it. and as I was kind of telling Alex before the pod like he doesn't look like he's 6'10 in a good way like he plays much smaller and I think that really benefits his game on offense and obviously the size on defense helps a lot but he he's just such a good mover and He's a great shooter. Like, he just does so many things well. And this team is – the conversation around this team is always going to be about Paolo because he's the name. He's the guy that they just drafted. And, again, he's very good. He has some problems that we can dive deep more deep into. But watching this team, like, Franz is the guy. I'm interested to hear what you think Paolo's problems are. But – Let's let's start with Franz. Is that's the direction you want to take it in? I think that Franz. What's interesting? What's most interesting to me about him is that his handle for his size is just it's top notch. Like we've seen Jalen Brown still hasn't figured out his handle. Jason Tatum is just figuring it out. Like how long did it take Paul George and Demar Derozan to figure out their handles? Like I think that's the reason why they're peaking so late in their careers. Jimmy Butler too. Like it took those guys forever to figure out their handles. And now they're like, now we're seeing the rewards of like, oh, these guys were really good for this long. Now they're taking that next le- next leap. Franz might not be as good as those guys because those guys are just more athletic than he is. I think it's safe to say. I think Franz is probably like closer to Jimmy and PG than he is to Damar as a defender. Um, So I'll give that to him. But I mean, Dylan, we like just to go back to DeMar. DeMar wasn't this guy for a lot of his Toronto tenure. Like he just wasn't. And that Franz already has this now in his second year. It lets him do exciting stuff with his game. DeMar, DeMar has been pretty stagnant with his game, unfortunately. Like the ball handling and passing has been an undeniable success. But Franz can do like 
he can add like pull up shooting, which he's he's doing. Franz is doing pull up shooting, but he can do like you know dynamic pull ups. Like he can do like you know he can try to do like Trey Young, Steph Curry pull ups. I don't know how good he'll be, but he could try to add that to his game. There's a lot of added dimensions you can add with a handle that a guy like Demar or Paul George just couldn't like. Their games became dangerous because they added the handle. Franz's handle is already there, which I think is terrifying for the league because he's in his second year. Um, I, I just don't know. I, the sky's the limit for this guy. And yes, I, I think I do think if I had one concern for him, it just is the athleticism like a little lacking, but the rest of his game is so good. I don't think I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, this guy is like, <laughs> who's like an unathletic, unathletic guy. Um, like late career Charles Barkley, <laughs> you know, like, I don't think he's or like Charles Barkley on TNT. I don't think he's that unathletic, but I, I do think my only concern for him being like a top option would be that. But the fact that we're putting him in these conversations is pretty, it's, that should be in perceived as a compliment rather than an insult. Yeah, and the realistic outcome is that Franz is not the top guy anyway. I mean, it's much more likely from this team that it's going to be Paolo or Suggs. Those are the guys that, I mean, Suggs was originally taken as the guy that was going to be the leader, you know, and now Paolo's here. And it could be both of them at the same time. It could be one of them with the others slightly behind. You know, we'll see. Again, it'd be nice to see Suggs on the floor for a few months straight. Um, but yeah, Franz doesn't have to even be that guy. And right now he is. I mean, if you watch them, it's very clear, at least to me, like Paolo's numbers for the season are a little bit higher in like points per game and all that. But it's Franz is the guy on this team. Like whenever they, whenever they really need a bucket, like that Hawks game, he went off in the third quarter. The, the Hawks game, they barely lost. He went, I think he had like 13 points in the third quarter or something like that. Like he was just knocking down shots just so easy. And the fourth quarter, they're going to him a lot too. And Paolo, again, this can be maybe a transition to Paolo. Like, and Paolo's a rookie, so I don't want to give him too much crap. Like he, he should be making mistakes, but he doesn't look super comfortable to me. And the thing that I think is impressive about him is that he kind of reminds me of Scotty Barnes last year where you watch him and you just, it doesn't seem like he's doing that much, but then you look at the box score at the end of the game. It's like, Oh my God, he had 23, 13 and three assists, you know, like it's like that, the Rockets game last night, like that, that those were his numbers, 23, 13, three assists, two steals, nine of 20 from the field. It did not feel like he was playing that well. But, like, he just – he's so talented and so – like, he has such a high floor that he's able to put up numbers no matter what. But my concerns with him are, like, he struggles to get to the rim. He doesn't have the fat – like, he he's not super explosive off the dribble. He Like, he's not – like, we've seen a lot of guys come in the league the last few years, like Anthony Edwards, you know, they, they can just get to the rim so seamlessly and score – and Paolo is not really that guy. Like, he's got to work a little bit harder for it. And when he's really faces tough defense around the rim, he doesn't have necessarily the best touch at all times. Like, there, there's a little bit of inside stuff he needs to work on to become really dominant. 
which I think he could easily do. I mean, he's a monster. Like he is a, just a big guy. He's strong and it doesn't take long to kind of get comfortable and get touched. Like a lot of these big forwards that enter the league, it takes them a couple of years to really get some of those skills down. And Powell is going to get there. What, like what he's doing now already is awesome, but he is very far from what he can be. Yeah. And I think, I don't think his touch is bad. I actually think for a rookie, his touch is really good. Like I'm like, Oh, this guy's got really soft touch. It's just sometimes, you know, when you see the shot isn't going in, it can look real ugly. And for the season, he's at 64% from at the rim. Um, you know, it's at 43rd percentile on cleaning the glass. Not great, but for a rookie, it's about what I'd say it was about what you expect. He Paolo to me, the problem with Paolo is that, and I think this is the problem with Franz too. I think you could lump them both together in this. And I think this is a fair criticism for the both of them combined. The burst just isn't there. You know, like, I don't think either of them are going to step up and yam on you, you know, like I think body wise, Paolo reminds me a lot of mellow where he's Mm -hmm. big, but he not like athleticism wise, you know, like, young mellow could go up and just like snatch your soul. <laughs> like, you know, go and dunk on you so hard and just like make you, you know, be like, Oh my gosh, mellow just dunked on me. What am I going to do with my life? It's not the same with, um, with Paolo. Like he's not gonna, he's gonna try to do a lot of finesse stuff, which he's good at. But also sometimes you're just gonna be like, dude, you're six ten, Just be stronger than everybody. <laughs> I think he needs to find that balance, but Jason Tatum, it took him, Jason Tatum just started doing the in-between stuff this year. Like, I think if he has that, I'd rather have that and be like, dude, go to the rim, like take it harder to the rim, than have it the other way around where it's like, okay, you need to do something in between. Cause I feel like you can coach the, okay, you just need to do this and go put your shoulder into him. I feel like that's easier to coach into the guy than being like, okay, stop doing all this, you know, (laughs) or like Jason, you need to take an in-between shot instead of doing all these fancy sidestep threes. And Jason still falls into that trap sometimes, but I don't know. I like Paolo has the bones of a number one scorer, right? I think Franz has the bones of, and not bones. I think there's meat on the bone. Franz has the makings of being like a great number two on a really good playoff team. I don't, I think this is one of the, is this the most promising it's been in Orlando since Dwight was drafted? Oh yeah. I mean, there's, there's been a lot of talent that's gone in and out of Orlando like where the hell is John Isaac? You know what I mean? <laughs> but like there, there's been hope at times, but this, this core is really exciting. And there's, there's a few other players we haven't even talked about yet that are good ancillary pieces to this core. Like when I was watching them this week, and I don't say this about a lot of teams and you'll hear me say, almost every week it seems like with especially these kind of bad teams, quote unquote bad teams, that 
they're a trade away. Like I said it about the Cavs last year, and I was right, by the way. Thank you very much. And the Pistons, I think I said that last time we talked about them. You know, if they get one more guy, they're they're there. This Magic team, I think this team could be a good playoff team. Maybe not this year, but hell, next year, if you get a healthy Suggs and these two top guys we just talked about with more experience and then another draft pick or whatever, like they're there. Like these, they have their top three guys. Those top three guys are incredibly talented, top 10 picks. The, this team can do it. This roster can do it. They just need a little bit more experience, a little bit more time. I don't think they need to even make a trade. I mean, sure, a trade would help, you know, speed things along. But I think the the talent is there. They just need to develop it a little bit more. Well, and you didn't even bring up the guy, I think, you know, a draft you're fond of bringing up. And I think a player you were you were either really fond of or you didn't care for as much. Did you? I don't remember. You liked Wendell Carter going into the 2018 draft, right? Or was he a guy you were lower on? There, There's an article out there on Medium about how he's a better player than Marvin Bagley, okay? I said, I said that pre-draft. So my Marvin Bagley hate goes back further than most people probably know. Incredible. Incre- and I didn't Carter even Carter. say... I d- Incredible. It's just, wow. <laughs> you found a way to work Marvin Bagley into this. I, I should, t- I should take a shot. I should take a shot. You should. I but, won't make it. <laughs> but... Wendell this year, 15 games. He hasn't played since November, but 16 points game, nine rebounds, three assists. He's doing it. 34% from three. He's being what we thought he could be in Chicago. And this guy, this guy, Dylan, he's this guy. And this team is scary. Like you bring up Suggs too. I don't even, I think Wendell is probably more important than Suggs for me because this year Wendell's probably playing like a top, I don't know, probably top 10 center. The defense is there. The offense is there. I'd rather have him than Nurkic. I could go through the list. I'd rather have him than, I wouldn't rather have him than Bam. I think I'd, Chris Daps is, eh, I, I won't do that right now. Um, <laughs> I won't go through the whole list, but I think he's playing like a top 10 center right now. And we're seeing, first of all, that Vooch trade looking worse and worse by the day. Um, but Dylan, I think your guy, Wendell Carter Jr. We didn't see him play this week, but I think he's a huge piece of this puzzle. And if he can be a modicum of the guy we thought he could be coming out of Duke, in which, which he's shown this year, they're a dangerous team and they probably will make the play in, in the East. Yeah. Wendell is definitely a floor raiser, which I think this team needs. They, they have the ceiling guys with the guys we just talked about. Like they have the, they have the talent that can get them the points and Wendell is another guy that can get them points, but he is a much more reliable option on defense. I would say than the guys we've seen so far, not they're bad. I mean, Bull Bull and Mo Bamba combined have about a 
500 foot wingspan. So blocking shots is not necessarily a tough thing for them, but yeah, I mean, he's just a great guy to book in their lineup. And I'm telling you, I think by March, this team is going to look really, really interesting. And I think Suggs is more important than you're giving credit because this, the one thing this team really struggles with, as we just talked about, makes sense. Powell and Franz don't have that burst. Who is getting to the rim on this team? When Fultz is not in the game, they are not getting to the rim. Okay. I don't care what the numbers say. Cole Anthony sucks. Okay. I've been saying it for years. He sucks. He is a decent passer. He can pull up shots sometimes. He dribbles the hell out of the ball. He doesn't get to the rim as much as he needs to. When he's on the floor, everything is Cole Anthony, and I hate watching it. When Fultz is on the floor, he really acts with a sense of urgency. And and you can really see it. He's always either cut like going to the rim to score or just running under the rim to kind of move the defense around. And, you know, he's not the most efficient guy all the time. He can't shoot threes. But he's the one guy on this team right now that is getting to the rim and kind of opening things up for everyone else. And when you get Suggs back in the mix, that's an elite guy that can really operate this offense. So when he's out there with with all these scorers, like it's it's going to be fun to watch. Well, I'm surprised we've gone this long. I haven't talked about the man, the myth, the legend, Bull Bull. Dylan, um, watching Bull Bull is an experience. Some call it a great experience. Some call it a not so great experience. Where do you land on this spectrum? Well, I went to a Magic Pacers game last month. That's right. I got the Bull Bull live in action. I was up in the nosebleeds and he was uh, pretty much at eye level for me. That's how tall he is. Like he, he is a towering force and man, like we keep talking about Franz and Paolo, these big guys that can dribble and move around. Bull Bull literally is a guard. He's an eight foot six guard. I mean, his, his fluidity for his size is amazing. He will block a shot and I think it was this Houston game, actually, this happened. Like, he blocked whatever, Jalen Green on three-point line and just casually dribbled up to the other end, did a crossover. Like, he's so comfortable with the ball. And, you know, consistency wanes here and there, uh, as you would expect. You know, he's a second-round pick after all. Okay, let's give him a break. But I don't know, man. I, I have a lot of fun watching him. He'll just block the stupidest shots. Like a guy will get a three off. It's like, okay, he got a three off. And then Bull Bull's just there. Like he, he, his reach is hard to account for because no one else has it. Like his, the amount of floor space that he can keep in check is just amazing. And on offense too, like he, he has his moments. He can pop a three, you know, obviously when he's at the rim, you're not blocking him. So I'm, I'm definitely on the, uh, I'm definitely a fan of the Bull Bull experience. Bull Bull, I'm not saying this in a demeaning way. His defense is atrocious. Well, I'm saying that in a demeaning way. But Bull Bull is like seven foot, however, whatever. He's seven foot, whatever. 
Jamal Crawford. I genuinely think you bring him off the bench. There's nothing you can do to stop that guy. You throw the ball in his hands. He's not going to pass it very much. I like I throw him a few possessions every game. He's a good enough shooter where I'll like throw him in the corner. I'll let him space the floor when he doesn't have the ball and let him drag his man out of the paint. But I think that my best usage for him long term is that he's a six man, right? I think eventually we're going to see him just be, you know, Jamal Crawford, Lou Williams, et cetera, et cetera. But I've seen some Denver fans being like, oh, why didn't Mike Malone play him? Why didn't, um, you know, why didn't the Nuggets get this guy? Do you think Mike Malone was going to let this guy do this? (laughs) (laughs) Have you seen, like, Dylan, you've watched his defense, right? How quickly would um, Mike Malone, or sorry, Michael Malone have pulled, um, how how quickly would Coach Malone have pulled Bull Bull? Like two seconds? Yeah. I mean, he, he wouldn't last long. Well, let's just, let's just leave it, leave it at that. I mean, it's, this guy wouldn't be what he was if he had stayed in Denver. Some guys just need a change of scenery. And I think the handle, you brought that up. Like he, the set, like how the big guard is just a good way to put it. He's not a big man. He just isn't. Um, and, I think the again, I just think the best way to utilize him is going to be as a six man. But the fact that we're talking about him taking him seriously as an NBA player compared to where he was two years ago. We weren't even talking about this guy. He wasn't even on our radar when we started this podcast because he was hurt all the time and the Nuggets weren't playing him like how much he did. We ever talk about Bull Bull in the power hour when it was you and I hosting regularly. I don't think he ever came up. There might have been like an ironic, you know, like, oh, Bull Bull could save this Nuggets team, you know, when Jamal Murray got hurt. Like, there may have been something like that, but nothing, nothing too in depth. He didn't even play a full season's worth of games for the Nuggets. So (laughs) he only played 14 games last year and only played 32 games in 2021. So I, I don't think that. What he's doing is remarkable. Um, Mosley should get a lot of credit for empowering him to do what he can, like, to honestly just be the best player he can be. Because this guy, (laughs) the sky was the limit for Bull Bull. And also the ceiling, or I'm trying to find the right way to say this. The ground was also the the limit (laughs) for Bull Bull. You could have seen this going any direction and it looks like his career is back on track. So I'm glad that happened um, real quick. I don't think there's a player you and I disagree on more than Cole Anthony. Mm. I, I like Cole Anthony. Do I think he's that great? No. Do I think he would be getting this many shots on a team that was like good? No. Do I think he could help a winning team though? Yes. I think you throw him off the bench I think he could be a Terry Rozier for a winning team. I I kind of see that same DNA. Like, he's a good... He's got that dog in him, basically. That's kind of what it boils down to for me. Yeah, he's a chucker. I think he'll grow out of that at some point. I mean, maybe he won't. But we've seen Jordan Clarkson. Look at Jordan Clarkson. He's found a home. The Jazz are never going to trade him. 
So maybe he just needs to find a place because I don't think Orlando's the place for him. I don't think this is his forever home. But I think Cole. I don't think he's a lost cause, basically, is my like, I agree. The traits aren't the best, but give him time and space to develop. And I mean, I guess he has had all that the last couple of years. But still, I I think that if you put him in a tighter, restrictive role, I guess is what I'm saying. And just be like, okay, Cole, you're going to you're going to play this minutes. You're going to take all the shots you want, but you also need to help run some semblance of an offense. I think that's kind of the role you need to throw Cole Anthony in. Do you think I'm off base there? I mean, Terry Rozier is a good name to throw out because he really changed how he played when he left Boston and went to Charlotte. So I'm not gonna like I'm not gonna say that Cole Anthony is not a talented player. I mean, I gave credit earlier to his passing and his shooting, okay? So I, I think he he is an NBA level player. I just do not like watching him because he dribbles the hell out of the ball and he just holds the ball too long. He takes dumb shots a lot of the time. He kind of goes into that savior mode when they don't really even need it. So I, I, he has the talent to where I could see the right coaching staff or whatever making him fit right. You know, I could see that for sure, but this team, I don't think, is that situation. I think I think we've said about everything we need to say about the Magic. I think I should close by reading their injury report because we got some good things and some bad things on here. Should I start from positive to negative or should I start from negative to po- and close on the positive note? Let's, let's close on the positive. Okay. So, Jonathan Isaac has yet to play <laughs> as he recovers from the inst- leg injuries. Um, who knows when he's going to play? Um, Gary Harris, we'll, we'll mix in the positive news real quick. Questionable for Friday's game against San Antonio. Chuma Okiki, on, he underwent an arthroscopic, oh, that was easy for me to say, procedure on his knee and is expected to be out at least a month, according to Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN. I think with all those wings, Chuma might be a little expendable, but you know who, who can really say? Jalen Suggs, um, they announced today, but he hasn't played since November 25th, and there's no timetable for his return. Not great. But, Dylan, I brought up Wendell Carter. He is questionable for Friday's game against San Antonio. So when this podcast releases, we talked all this stuff about Wendell Carter not playing. He will be back. So, great news for the Orlando Magic as they... Just real quick. Okay. Let's look at the teams above them in the standings. I want you to say if you think the Magic are better than them. So the Wizards. Do we think the Magic are better than the Wizards? Yes. Do we think the Magic are better than the Bulls? Mm. This iteration of the Bulls, probably. No Lonzo Bulls, I'll say yes. Lonzo Bulls, I'll say no. Unfortunately, I don't know if Lonzo is going to play until 2024. Um, the Toronto Raptors. Uh, probably. Pascal, the dip- tough. Yeah, Pascal's a top 20 player. That's the yeah. only difference. Otherwise, I'd give the edge to the Magic. The Atlanta Hawks. <sighs> I, 
we talked about this pre-pod. I mean, I just I don't think it get get worse for the Hawks. So I don't know. I think I'd take Trey nine times out of ten. I think I'll take the Hawks too. Um, the eighth seed, the Indiana Pacers. Who are you taking? The Magic or the Pacers? Oh man, gosh. Uh, I think I'm gonna have to go with the Pacers. Ah, it's tough, but gosh, St- I gotta I gotta go with my boy Tyrese. You know, it's gonna be my first curveball of the day. <laughs> I think I gotta go with the Magic. I think a month from now we're gonna see. Oh, this Magic team is like on a real upward ascent, and the Pacers are, you know, the Pacers are going for it, and not it, <laughs> not going, it not being the championship. If you catch my drift, so we'll we'll see. I could be proven very wrong because I thought the Jazz were gonna kick the can fifteen games ago, and they're eighteen and sixteen. Um, and the last play-in team, the Orlando Magic or the Miami Heat. Well, listen, it seems like Kyle Lowry has Lionel Messi on his uh, on his side right now. So uh, I think you got to stick with the the adrenaline rush from the World Cup and go with the heat. I can't go with the heat over the magic and good conscience or the magic over the heat and good conscience, but I kind of wanted to. So. On that note, I think we're done with the magic segment. Um, you'll hear from Dylan on more segments. I'm not exactly sure what order this is going to be in, but um, Dylan, since this will be the like last extended part of the conversation we'll have, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. And let's get back to the other parts of the podcast. 